This is the Speakeasy Podcast live. This is our first live event. Yes, it's and, true. And we're sitting here in the window here at uh, Bad Annie's because, you know, we're window dressing, basically. Pretty much. With good brains. So we're here tonight with the beeping car, which is super great. And a little bit of rain, so thanks for showing up. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Jen Estel. And I'm Karen Steffel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. We hatched this idea for a podcast in the middle of a boozy night at a speakeasy. And so kind of our shtick is that you usually get a cocktail of some sort along with our episodes. So there is a mocktail punch. It's a simple punch. And it's really grapefruity and bubbly. And I love it. So what's in it? I have no idea. Oh, no, just kidding. There's, um, oh, well, I do know because we have these little recipe cards. So we've got some grapefruit juice, lemonade, honey, simple syrup, which I appreciate, which gives it a little bit of sweetness Uh and some lime LaCroix. If you want to make it at home, you can always add some Tangray as well. Which I would highly recommend if you're the gin kind of gal. Which I am. You are. Yeah. But um, join us in a drink and we will have a bit of a conversation. We're talking about building community. And that's a little bit about tonight. We are at Arts Night Out in Old Town. And if you guys don't know about it, fear not. We have someone who's going to tell you all about it. And with that, I think we should introduce Megan. So we're with Megan Martin, who is the Interim Executive Director of the Arts Council of Greater Lansing. And uh, tell us a little bit, Megan, about who is the Arts Council, first of all. Uh, Thank you for having me, first and foremost, on your podcast. Um, And welcome, everybody, to Old Town, um, home to the Arts Council of Greater Lansing, where um, we promote, strengthen, and celebrate the arts and culture seen here in the Greater Lansing area in Ingham, Clinton, and Eaton County. Um, We provide some professional development and some uh, just promotions of the great arts and culture that we have here in the the region. And um, Arts Night Out is something that we do specifically to be um, engaging our creative people, our artists, our artists, our creative entrepreneurs, um, and people that want to uh, celebrate arts and culture and promote their arts inside of businesses here in Old Town. And um, in partnership, those two entities can um, help help the economy of this area. Yeah, I feel like it's it's sort of a triple threat, right? So you've got artists who get their exposure and get their work on the walls. You've got businesses who people are coming in and out. And then you've got all the residents and the visitors who get something great to do on a Friday night. So it's For a free. pretty solid situation. I think the community building is... Um, such a like really at the root of what the pro- project is all about, and it's been really successful. Is this the th- third year? This is the start of the third season. Yes. Okay. Um, this is we're actually wrapping up. Um, we started in 2016. Okay. Um, and so we're just wrapping up kind of the, the third year, um, and it started out with a bang, and it's just been heavily attended ever since, um, which we really appreciate because it's free and it's open to the public and anybody can come down here and kind of learn what Old Town is about. Um, We've done it in other communities. So um, if there are communities that just want to invigorate the businesses around and instill art and culture, um, then it's a great opportunity to kind of franchise that out and let them have the package to do it themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I, I appreciated about it, too, is that if you uh, have ever come to Arts Night Out before, you'll really what you'll notice on the street is really vibrant, safe, walkable, dense sidewalks full of people that are really enjoying mm-hmm. themselves. And I think one of the things that's certainly a hallmark of one of uh, one of the key hallmarks of 
placemaking activities. So um, I know the Arts Council is really involved in a lot of placemaking activities. Do you want to tell us what's coming up? Sure. Um, so creative placemaking is a language that we've been speaking for quite some time. It's artists have been doing it without a name um, for centuries. You know, putting art up on a wall has been since caveman days, but we're actually talking about it in a way that um, other people can see the economic opportunity. And so the Arts Council, in knowing the capacity that our artists have to branch into the community, we've um, started a lot of different creative placemaking projects, and Arts Night Out being one of those, and supporting some other creative placemaking projects um, through our grant making. But then we also annually have our Creative Placemaking Summit, which you have been a part of, um, that um, we bring together that cross-sector of our community to talk about creative placemaking and how we get more dense sidewalks out here, you know, full of people where they can feel like they're at home and really feel the sense of place that they have in their community. Tell me, so so walkable, safe sidewalks, but also um, really densely populated communities that have a variety of diverse opportunities uh, for the residents and for the visitors is certainly a, a piece of placemaking. Tell me who else is at the table uh, at our specific placemaking, creative placemaking summit. Who else is really a part of that conversation to make sure that we're moving the conversation forward? Sure. Um, so we always invite the artists first. Um, we want to make sure that's who we always have at our table because we see the like the value of having our arts and cultural entities there is just um, crucial. But um, beyond that, we bring to the table realtors that are trying to sell this as an amazing community. Um, we bring together developers who are developing our community uh, places and planners that are deciding where we put a walkway or where we put a, you know, a project is possible. Um, and um, a lot of the people like the Convention and Visitors Bureau or our transit system, like those entities that are kind of pillars in our community that are really selling it out, outward or they're really making sure that we're connected in the inside. Yeah, and I think what's really important too in, in, in those conversations, especially the big conversations, it's it's very easy to come up with ideas on what would be great to have, but if you're really not having those conversations with the urban planners or the the people who provide transit, then you're not thinking long range. Uh, and those are bigger projects. They, they aren't as immediately gratifying, but they are long-term gratifying to invest in. That's true. And the thing that I always like about the Creative Summit is it really shows how true arts and culture and the creative spark has a ridiculous amount of economic benefit and livability benefit, you know? And so I think last year you had somebody and it really, like there are hard statistics around how much more livable and safe a community is when it has a vibrant arts culture. And so I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece of the mix when somebody talks about reviving a neighborhood or keeping a city growing. Um, you know, we're in the Rust Belt and so we are not the only city who went through some slump years, right? And watching that art always comes first and everything follows, I think, is the most interesting. What do you think is next for, you know, this is the fifth year of the Creative Placemaking Summit. I know one of the big questions is how do we keep our momentum moving us forward? What do you think is next? What are you, if you had a crystal ball, what do you think will come out of uh, this year's summit? Um, well, I think in my own way, I was, I was trying to um, build upon what we talked about last year, which was our identity, 
this region, we have such a mix and match of different things going on um, that we sometimes um, we aren't sure what to put pinpoint as our identity. And I think that that is such a huge undertaking to nail down. Um, and so right now we're we're at a point that we can celebrate where we where we've come from um, and that we're starting to feel real emotional connection to our communities. Um, so I'd like to see us evolve even more in talking about that that big identity crisis that we might have and bringing people to the table that we haven't been talking to before because that's so very important um, in placemaking or placekeeping that we're making sure that we're hearing the voices of the people that are in our communities and we're hearing a diverse group of people that we haven't talked to before and asking them what they want. If, if there are people that we haven't talked to before, um, then, then let's have more conversations. Let's keep talking about it and see where it evolves. I haven't heard that term placekeeping yet. So tell me about that. Um, so I'll be honest, it's a bit controversial just because, um, you know, there's certain, um, I guess ways that you can look at place making as to say that there wasn't something there before. So some people have said that, you know, we don't want to call it place making necessarily because there are people that have existed there before. So let's just see how we can keep the people, keep the place and the sense of place that's there just needs a little bit more oomph. <laughs> yeah, I know when the rise of the creative class conversation kind of came to the forefront, it was wildly embraced. But then I think it's become a little controversial over time because it, for that very reason that it's not about redoing anything, but it may be about sprucing up or reevaluating what the needs of the community are. But it is about protecting, you know, honoring kind of where we're starting and making sure that the conversation includes people and that it's inclusive as, as you develop so that people aren't pushed out. Right. Exactly. It's interesting, too, because neighborhoods like Old Town, which have a very long history and um, lots of populations who love the place, you want to make sure you've got space for everyone, right? And um, let's be honest, everybody loves an old building. Everybody loves quirky stuff and an interesting story. And you can't make that out of ether. That, that has to grow organically. And you don't want, you don't want to miss that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that... Um here in Old Town, there have been a lot of people that have been here for a very long time, really celebrating um, the, the bu bubbling up of activity around here and just really congratulating whoever's behind it. You know, we don't want to name one entity or person that um, is really keeping it going, but um, I think everybody is surrounding the area with love. And I think that one of the things that Old Town does really well is um, you can kind of feel the energy and you can feel the history. You know, you see Robert Busby's um, poem on the sidewalk and, you know, that evokes emotion. And that's what art does. That's what art can do for an area like this through placemaking, placekeeping, um, however you call it. Um, that piece of art is really what's going to give you an emotional connection to a sidewalk. Who knew? Who knew? I think <laughs> I think to that whether it's Old Town or Rio Town, you're right, there isn't just one entity that's behind any any of those. Because really, if there really was one entity driving it, it probably wouldn't be very authentic. It probably wouldn't stick. Um, and it really has to be kind of embraced by those who take ownership in, in that neighborhood. It'll be really fun to see who the next Old Town or Rio Town is as our region continues to kind of really more deeply invest in itself. And it really will come from those who are there, and it won't come from one entity driving that. You're right. 
Well, see, that reminds me of brands, right? You can't you can't apply a brand to an organization or to a space. You have to uncover what really exists. And that's where I think placekeeping is an interesting concept because you, it's not false, it's very organic, and it's very honest, which I think is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a couple of questions. If you could... If you could have one wish for the Lansing community to achieve in the next five years, say, what would that be? In the realm of the arts? Sure. Because that's, you know, kind of my wheelhouse. I, I'm going to be selfish here, but um, I really like seeing those that are investing in the arts and seeing the value that it has um, across the community, you know, to find, um, you know, Lansing Board of Water and Light just uh, invested in the arts, and we appreciate that. And we have the Community Foundation investing in the arts. These, these big entities that really are trying to set an example of how much activation it does for our community. So I want to see that continue, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'd sign up for that. Mo money. Mo money. Well, and I think, I, I feel like you've got, the, it's a very big wheel, and you, it takes a minute to get a wheel to spin, right? But once you spin it, you can get up to speed and up to speed. And so those leaders who have sort of invested early can show other people mm -hmm. how you can help and how it matters, which is yeah. kind of nice. And we're really fortunate, too, um, that we have some great grant programs that the city of Lansing is investing in, Ingham County is investing in, that we do have people that are... Um, kind of raising raising the bar around here and saying like we value it and we want to set an example and we appreciate the effort that that is going into all of these festivals and uh, art installations and just want to see that continue because it's fantastic to see. Okay, one more question. Sorry, I can't help it. No, go for it. Something big. What, no, uh, <laughs> what can your average resident do to support the arts? I'm someone who's not a foundation, doesn't have big pockets. What can the average folks do to support arts in our community and help build that community? Sure. So um, the obvious answer is to buy local art. Um, don't choose, um, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond is fantastic, but maybe choose not Hallelujah. to buy your art there and just get your Tupperware there. Um, buy from local artists. I promise you will have tenfold the emotional investment um, on top of the actual investment. Um, that's the obvious thing to say, but also, um, you know, uh, and that's, you know, being places like here, like Bad Annie, I've seen, you know, some of our members work is in here too. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the local art fair or anything. Um, our, our local artists are in shops like this. Um, but also the non-obvious is to visit our arts and cultural organizations because um, you might think that that's just, that exists there and that's always going to be there. They need support too and they need to know that they're needed and wanted because, you know, when you have foot traffic through the, you know, the MSU Museum is one of my favorites. Um, if you're going there with your kid to the free, like, play school day or preschool day, um, there are people there that have invested a lot of time in that, and they've invested a lot of time in, in curating this beautiful um, exhibit for you, and that takes a lot of grant money. And so, and local investment, and um, they only get that if they have people coming in the doors. And if, if nobody's coming in the doors, then their grant application's gonna look, so, to put it nicely. Put it nicely. So, I, I guess like that's- I like that we're at Bad Annie's and Megan's not willing to swear. 
<laughs> it's gonna look like poo poo. And I think <laughs> I know you've challenged me, but there are baby ears in here. Um, visiting those local establishments that are there that if you don't take advantage of the, the amazing world-class art that we have in these institutions, um, Lansing Art Gallery, Wharton Center, uh, the Broad Art Museum, um, Windwalker Art Gallery, um, there are so many different performing artist locations and um, museums and galleries and everything that if you don't visit them, they're going to go away. Engage. Mm -hmm. Get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Do not spend your money on fake art. Oh, please. And buy sweary goods at Bad Annie's. That's Woo. right. Is that about right? Fuck yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> well, thank you again, Megan. I really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah. I know you probably have lots of other people to visit and making sure that the event's running really well. Well, I do have a long trek across the street over to Arts Council to <laughs> make sure that um, our exhibiting artist is, is getting a lot of foot traffic. And it looks like she is. That's great. Can you tell us where to find you if someone wants to check you out online or on sure. socials? We are at lansingarts.org. And also for the Creative Placemaking Summit, we're at lansingplacemakers.org. And um, yeah, hashtag my arts night out. If you want to see kind of what activities happening tonight and any night, um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you know, all the important ones. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. So this is kind of part two of our live podcast. Welcome, everybody, back to Bad Annie, Sweary Goods in Old Town. Woot, woot. Yay. And so in our last segment, we talked to the interim director of the Arts Council, Megan Martin, who uh, certainly leads the team that develops this program called Arts Night Out, which is where we are po perched up. And uh, we're, we're going to have a conversation soon with Summer Schreiner, who owns Bad Annie's and Grace um, Designs, both here in Old Town. So, yeah, we'll see her like rush in because she's closing one shop and, so that she can get to the other so she can humor us for a while. The good news is I think we kept it pretty clean the first half because, you know, Megan was cognizant of being the executive director of this event and didn't want to drop the F-bombs. But we don't have to do that anymore. And Summer is a bad, bad Annie. <laughs> she really, really is. Yeah. And, you know, what's really fun is in our last segment, um, Megan was talking about placemaking or placekeeping, which I thought was really fascinating. One of the books when you and I have both served on the Old Town Commercial Association board, other committees. And when I first came down to Old Town, one of the residents who said, oh, you're going to get involved in the organization, the Commercial Association, read this book. And it was a Jane Jacobs book from the 1960s called The Rise and Fall of Great American Cities. And she so so the, the word placemaking doesn't appear in the book, I don't think. I don't think it existed then. No. But so she approached how cities become great from an urban planning standpoint. And so she's even today, controversially so, but still kind of regarded as the best urbanist ever. I don't know. But we'll, we'll call that. But she really, the way that she talks about walkability and density and what you have to have around every corner to engage people really it's almost like she invented placemaking or started talking about it back in the 60s. And so I pulled that book out last night um, and flipped through it because I had dog-eared some things. And some of her thoughts and ideas really are very true today. And I think the reason why she's controversial and the, why, the reason why people give pushback is because we still haven't achieved <laughs> what she sought out to achieve so many years ago. And I don't think anybody disagrees with the fact that placemaking is important and building your community is important, but the wherewithal and the 
the wherewithal to do it, mm-hmm. to maybe sacrifice profits in order to do it, or roll up your sleeves and spend the hours of labor that it takes to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard work and it's hard for people to commit to. And that's why we're really lucky to both of us have our businesses in a neighborhood who that is that has done that in spades. I feel like I've been in Old Town a really long time, but you've been in Old Town a really, really long time before it was a place to be. Yeah. So I've been in Old Town for 20 years. And in and I'm certainly not the pioneer by any stretch of the imagination, but 20 years ago, my block, the 100 block, was completely boarded, and um, Estes Furniture, who which was a you know, kind of the destination furniture store for downtown Lansing for folks who lived here, uh, certainly upscale. It had closed. It had been closed for a decade. And when I came down here with my business partner, all the windows um, were boarded and there was a little porthole that you could see into what is now my office. And it said, we'll build to suit. And you could see, you know, exposed beams and electricity. There had been a rave there. There was a lot of wetness. And it was like, there's even there was a lot of wetness. It was just like, it looked like a soggy Tell me about the wetness. hazard. There was like leftover boa feathers. I'm telling you that carpet had seen some things. And so we decided that it was either the best thing we had ever, we could do or the worst thing. And we're very lucky that it turned out to be a really good choice. But um, we were the first people really on our block. And um, and so that was a really interesting time. And I remember, I think we most we both must have been like 12 when this happened. Because yeah. it, I remember when you were in a um, suburb in an office park that was very clean and clinical and safe. And very hard to get to and very uninspiring with very narrow um, um, hallways and very low ceilings. And now you have a really cool, if, if anybody has not been in Render's offices, you have to check it out because one of their brick walls has the original um, mural that you, you know, they used to actually, advertising was painted on the wall and there's this great painting of butter. It's Nucoa, not margarine. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah. So yeah, so Karen has been here a bit. I think I moved to town in 2004. Mm -hmm. I had a similar experience of buying a building that was boarded up. It had no windows. We ripped out the ugly ceiling to expose the tin underneath. And that is just one of a hundred stories about how this neighborhood became what it was and how people built this place that we all now are coming to for drinks and dinner and arts and activities and festivals, which is not the way it was before. No, and really to accomplish it all, it really takes the efforts of every single person who feels passionate about their little piece of the pie. So whether it's about the flower pots, whether it's about weeding, whether it's about making sure the trash is picked up or that the festivals are well attended, everybody kind of has to take their slice of the pie and make it happen. And speaking of which, speaking, speaking of, of passionate pie, and no, pie. speaking of passion <laughs> and sweary goods, we're going to be joined here by Summer Schreiner. Yay, Summer! Here she is. It's Bad Annie herself. Bad Annie is now the window installation in Bad Annie's. What? How did that happen? Fancy. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to your own store. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting us rearrange everything Please. and uh, put ourselves yeah. in the middle. I, I actually love this window situation a lot. I feel like you get to peep on everyone, but you still get to kind of do the show and that's fun. And I can reach behind my back and scratch and nobody knows what, what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's legit. It's legit. So I have one question before we get started. Yes. Are you, is your alter ego Bad Annie? I'd say my actual ego is Bad Annie. (laughs) I've known you both for a long time. I feel like you probably feel that way too. (laughs) I didn't know if there was another story or if there's like a woman in your life who was like, 
bad Annie? No, I feel like it's the the side that everyone has that you're not really allowed to have in your normal adult work life. You know, those... Well, not when you're proper women like we three. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Very, um, you know, well put together and polished and, you know, Clearly. no swearing and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we came here because we could swear. <laughs> God damn it. What is happening? This is... I, I feel like this is everyone's... Kind of everyone's little uh, cut loose and be yourself situation here. I love it. Let's start back, though. So we were talking about, uh, you know, I've been in Old Town for 20 years. You've been here since 04. When was your first uh, big toe dipped into the Old Town Kool-Aid? Well, I've lived here, I think, since, um, gosh. Don't drink the toe Kool-Aid, by the way. Right? Maybe I've lived here since maybe 97 or 98. Um, and then opened my first business here in 2000, or 2000 or 2001. It's sad that I can't remember that, but I really can't remember it's that. It's because you're tired. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, yeah, so I've been here for a hot minute, too. Yeah. You know, but I love it here. So what, so so give us a really quick overview for our listeners who maybe don't know you. Your very first business was what, and then how did that grow, and then what inspired you to open Bad Annie's? Because they're very different businesses. Yes. Um, so my very first business was with a friend of mine who has had that business essentially since we both started it and I left almost immediately, but was October Moon. Um, and that was in this space actually, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I left almost immediately to finish school. It was, it was, um, too much for me to do. I was in law school at the time and it was too much to do both. So I left pretty much immediately, but I always really missed it. And you guys know, like, when you have an entrepreneur hair up your rear end, you have an entrepreneur hair, you know? So I always missed it and opened a dress shop um, a few years later, which was something I felt like, you know, Lansing was kind of missing and a nice niche market for me. And And um, what is that dress shop called, Summer? That dress shop would be Grace Boutique. (laughs) It's it's maybe one of the nicest women's store in town. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Mm-hmm. I've bought many a very glittery dress there. Thank you. And over here, um, this was sort of a space that was growing from behind from behind Grace's counter. Yeah. Because um, you started carrying irreverent socks and yes. some kind of irreverent, fun, gifty things. Yes, and mm-hmm. inappropriate cards and um, all these things that I loved that really didn't belong in that store at all. Mm-hmm. So we were sort of hiding the inappropriate stuff behind the counter and it it got a little obnoxious and kept growing and, and, and it was leaking. And um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it it really took on a life of its own and, and needed to be something of its own. So so if so. Our theme today is building community. So I want to make sure we stay on topic as much as, you know, I'm able to stay on topic, which is a pretty wide margin. But do you feel like your clientele actually has a lot of overlap? Because I would just as likely buy that dress as I would those socks. Well, yes. I'll, and I want to know, I, I still have some more questions about, about opening a second retail shop, but yeah. proceed. Uh, definitely, yes. The, the, and the overlap has been a really pleasant surprise for me because, to be honest, I was pretty nervous about branching out over here that a lot of our, of a lot of our clients at Grace would, you know, be a little judgmental of this place and, you know, kind of 
I don't know about that. You know, I, I worried that that might reflect badly on the other place. So I tried to, you know, warn people as well as I could and prepare people as well as I could beforehand. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was definitely a worry for me. But I've been really, really pleasantly surprised at the overlap we've had. People will come over there after visiting here and they'll, they'll say, I talked to Robert at Pat Annie's and it was so much fun. And I got this and I got that. And it's... It's been really fun. But that, that that kind that kind of reaction says that you have a community of people, right? Very and much that goes so. kind of back to building community. You do you feel like the the people who are patrons at Grace are there because they need dresses or are they there because they love you and they love the store or all of the above? I hope all of the above, you know, honestly. But I do feel like the success of that place and, and what allowed me to have this place is 100% this community. I mean, in a million years, I never would have opened anywhere else, and I don't think I would have survived anywhere else. Um, yeah. In our first segment, M Megan said how important it, it is to support local businesses and not shop at a more generic store. And this kind of community has helped that happen for you, maybe? Completely. Um, I feel really, really lucky. I just had a conversation with someone about that today, and he said, you know, I'm sure I could find a couple of the things that I see in here elsewhere, but it it's really fun for me to come in and chat, you know, and see what else is there and kind of look at the things that you've chosen to be here. And, you know, it's without that support and without people making that concentrated effort, I feel like those things go away, you know? You know, so. it's really funny because Megan said the exact same thing about Jen's question was, how do you, how do you support? Like how, what do you want people to know? And she said, buy art from local artists Absolutely. and go and visit the venues that are putting things on, whether it's Wharton or Broad or et cetera, but support those local folks. And it's true in the retail space as well Absolutely. making sure because if you don't attend if you don't shop they go away yes okay so from a from a boss lady standpoint because this is the thing i love about summer is number one well i there's so many questions right number one i want to talk about you and this community because you get your hands dirty here like no other right sure. true. but I don't actually true. i think maybe your sister's hands are dirtier <laughs> yeah perhaps like li have, literally with the gardening yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to us for a minute about what it what it over the course of time that we've all been here what has it taken to build this space to what people see now if you just moved into town now you're like this is a great little neighborhood but it 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 took a lot of work to get here yeah so tell yeah. me about the work you put in. As well as you guys know, because you have put in that work 100. <laughs> um, it takes a lot. It it takes not just you know yapping about it, but getting out there and doing the the things that suck sometimes. Yeah. You know the pulling the weeds and you know picking up something real gross you saw on the sidewalk and you know um, trying to herd cats and keeping everyone sort of on the same page and communicating even when we don't all agree. So I feel like you guys know that probably better than I do. Oh, um, I don't know. I think I we all know. have our own version of that. Yeah. But, but I feel like we've all, we've all done that. It, it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of doing, not just talking about it or thinking about it, but a lot of doing it. Yeah, I think one of the things, uh, one of the pieces of inspirational quotes that you have back there is, 
<laughs> suck it up and get shit done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get it done. <laughs> I can't, I just can't imagine that Old Town is any different than another small community in almost any town, right? These, yes. These kinds of places grow because the people who live here and work here take their it's more than just clocking in and clocking out at the end of the day it's more than just assuming someone else is going to pick up that weird thing on the sidewalk right yeah well and i think it's everyone kind of working together to do that to working together to make sure at the end of the day that it happens and that everyone's sort of on the same page if so you've been here since the late 90s you must have been four when you moved in (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. Yes. You were <laughs> I love you. Barely a toddler. <laughs> yes. What is the arc? What would you say are the memorable moments that that made Old Town oh. move forward? Oh no. I, yeah. <laughs> or that you had to call nine one one about. I was going to say that the ones that I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> the legal ones. <laughs> um, I do remember when I first opened here, when I was over uh, where Bradley's is now. Okay. Um, one of my employees calling me and I really probably shouldn't say this but it was one of the funniest things watching the video that I've ever seen in my whole life was watching the wheels turn and watching her hurt the looks on her face she called me to tell me that overnight someone had made themselves a little too comfortable in like the the vestibule area of our doorway um, and had had relieved themselves there (laughs) and watching the video of that later on Watching her walk up to the glass door and look at the glass door and start to open it and then look down and then look back up and then turn around where I can see her face on the camera and then turn back around and look out the glass door to make sure she was looking at what she thought she was looking at. It was just one of the funniest things that I've, I have ever experienced being down here. But I feel like it was very different back then, you know? Way different. As you guys very well know, you know? What, What advice would you have for a budding neighborhood, right? Old Town is kind of, we've gotten our feet under us, right? Which is why we can support an event like Art Night, Arts Night Out. Mm-hmm. But a neighborhood that's sort of starting to get going, what, what would you tell them to do? Honestly, don't be a dick. Like, don't be a dick. You're, for your retail, for your neighbors, you know, shoveling the sidewalks, getting pissed off about the little dumb stuff, you know. There are so many things that I feel like create problems in neighborhoods that don't really need to be problems that are just not that big of a deal. Um, But when you let them fester instead of talking to your neighbors, like, they become a big deal and, like, you know, it becomes a mess when it doesn't need to be. And I feel like we've been very, very lucky down here that, you know, for the most part, we've all communicated fairly well, I feel like. So we all, you know... I don't know, I feel like that has made such a difference down here in us succeeding. I feel like um, has made a huge difference because when everyone's cooperating and trying to support each other rather than sweating the small stuff, you know. I feel like, you know, in summer, if you since our listeners can't see your store, but they will because they're now going to come down and visit. Sweet. Um, at the, <laughs> on the whole wall of Bad Annie's, it, there's a mantra that says, don't be a dick. I kind of feel like maybe it's it's like the retail expectation. When you come in here, enjoy yourself, do some shopping. You're going to be treated well. Because you can't have don't be a dick on your wall. Exactly. And then not treat somebody well. True story. Also, not just a retail mantra, but just like really a life lesson. Yes. 
Yeah. And yeah. Lord knows I need to check myself on that regularly. I am a dick by nature. Like, it's just kind of who I am. So I have to check myself in that pretty regularly. It's, it's okay to be a dick as long as you're self-aware and you check it. Right? You know? Right. In your head, you can think all the things. Yes. As long as you, you know, have that wall to look up to and be like, oh, whoops. Knock it off. Sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. One of the things we did, so both both Karen and I, for people who aren't here, are wearing t-shirts that we bought I at Bad Annie's. And I love them both because what I love about mine is make Margaret Atwood fiction again. Yeah. You only get it if you get it. Yeah. Yes. You only get it if you're smart enough to get it. Very true. So or I love smart your humor. enough to Google it if you're, you know, not so sure. Right. 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 And yours kind of has a challenge on it. Mine is more of a mission statement because it's while it's love thy neighbor, which is a lovely, lovely life mission to live. It's it's not just love your the neighbor that you love, but it's, you know, maybe love your neighbor that's doesn't agree with you. Maybe your neighbor is maybe a bigot or a racist yeah. or a dick. maybe a dick or a dick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your neighbor is a dick and you should love that person anyway. And you know what? Here's the deal. The, the I told I told Jen what t-shirt I chose to wear tonight and she was like oh that's a tough one I saw that one and my whole thing is like intolerance has become so easy that somehow tolerance is the harder part and so just like maybe if we show each other a little bit more love yeah yeah maybe yeah. tolerance would grow and that's part of what I love about the store because it's what I like about being in here is you're you're shopping and you see people come in and they just like burst out laughing out loud and it's the funniest thing to, to see somebody just burst out laughing I love that so much what has been your favorite most rewarding honestly part of building community being a part of building a community um that's tough because honestly I feel like being down here, there's a lot, a lot of awesome stuff being down here, as you guys well know. But, um, you know, my favorite thing about having the community that we have down here is like the Sunday after a big event when you're, you know, there cleaning up after it and you're and you're with your friends who are like also in the dregs and, you know, have to clean up the puke and the cigarette butts and the, the nonsense that happens after a big festival. But, you know, you had a good festival situation. Those are my favorite and most rewarding days because everyone can laugh about the event the day before and like relate to it, but you're all working together to get the ugly shit done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those are my favorite times <laughs> because everyone relates to that, you know? You know what's really funny? That's really not that different than a family, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's just as rewarding to come off a bad time and to come through it and realize you can come through it Absolutely. as it is to have you know, shiny, pretty days. Absolutely. And it makes the, the tough stuff so much easier when, you know, you all can laugh about it together and be there together and do it. I love that. Like, yay, I'm picking up some dog poo. Right? How <laughs> fun was that? I here's another of, hobo turd. Here's one more turd for you. I sort of feel like you just encapsulated the whole thing, working together to get the ugly shit done. Yeah. I mean, that's what it takes, right? No joke. And when you when you take the time to do the ugly shit, and when you do it with friends, it's a lot more fun. Way more fun. Way more right. fun. And worth a laugh. Yes. And then all the beautiful things come after. So true. All those hands in the light work. Right. And all those toes in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I'm not great at metaphors. I don't know where it came from, but I liked it. Yeah. It, um, it just makes me picture like a big vat of Kool-Aid underneath you guys and somebody like dipping a toe. Oh, it's like... <laughs> it's really more like a baby pool of jungle juice. Sweet. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's more my style. That's a very, very old town kind of pedicure it right is. there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You think that hasn't happened? <laughs> I was going to oh, say. Happened. Oh, it's happened. And yeah. I feel like we know the people who'd be drinking yeah. out of that kitty. I, I cut those orange slices. <laughs> I, I think we should be doing that next weekend. That's probably our go. I bobbed from some apples in that jungle juice. It sounds like One an agenda. Halloween. It sounds like a really good plan. All right. Before hey. we really let you go, can you tell us where people can find you online? Yes, you can come and visit our new website, and it's got a few hiccups, so I apologize for that. But No, start over. Don't apologize. Don't be a dick. <laughs> We're at www.swearygoods.com, um, and we'll work on your fancy phones and on your fancy computers. Yeah, it's all sorts of technology happening there that is very foreign to me, but it's and, working. And also on the socials. Oh, yeah, where um, you can find us on... You're on Instagram. Inst- yep, at on Instagram Bad at Bad Annie's and um, Facebook at Bad Annie's Sweary Goods. So, yeah. So check it out. If anybody needs a gift for themselves or from someone who you just need to brighten their day, definitely come down to Old Town and come to Bad Annie's. And if you need more upscale things for an upscale thing, you know, and be uncomfortable in some beautiful, beautiful goods, go go to Grace. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. We love it. you. Thank you for Thank coming. You too. Thank, Thank you for thank hosting you for being us here tonight. And allowing us to be the mannequins in your front Thank window. Thank you. I love it. I'm, I'm hoping you do a little voguing out there, you know. Uh, There's done. a lot of opportunity. Done. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to everybody who's listened to us tonight, thank you very much for your time. So what are we talking about next time? Oh, my gosh. We are talking about, well, some of us were raised to believe that to talk about money, politics, and religion, it had no place in our conversations. So that means we're definitely diving into a discussion about money and pricing specifically. Join us next time as we sharpen our pencils and talk about how we derive pricing and how we communicate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, everybody.